Welcome to the Dwellings Podcast. We're glad you tuned in. Enjoy this message by Pastor Gunnar. So for the last, this is week five of our Roma series. We've been talking about rediscovering prayer. And the first week we talked about prayer being delight. It's about being with him, not just talking to him. Prayer is death. It, it, it requires something of us, you know. It's, it's being in his presence really just shows us um, how much maybe we need to surrender to the Lord and, and how much more we need to, to die to ourselves. And uh, so prayer is delight, but it's also death. And then prayer is believing. We talked about real faith. And then last week, uh, Christian Swales brought an amazing word, prayer is partnership. Man, I'm telling you, that has been resonating with me all week long. And I hope you guys have been walking out and waiting in the presence for 20 minutes every day. I've tried to do it 20 minutes and got little apps that that are helping me meditate on the scripture. Now, I'm just thankful for that. Like, you really changed um, a lot of perspective. A lot of light bulbs came on. Can I get an amen from that? And then this week, I want to talk about prayer is powerful. Prayer is powerful. Everybody say, power. You remember, he, man, I have the power. Y'all remember that? Nope. Okay. That's awkward. Um, he may have masters of the universe, 80s kids. Prayer is powerful. And I had a direction I was going with this this week until the Holy Spirit kind of arrested my uh, mind and just kind of took me on a different path. And so this morning, I'm just going to be honest, it's kind of fresh this morning. And so I'm just, I'm just going with it, okay? So I want to read a scripture in James. Um, and honestly, I don't know where this is because I didn't write it down. That's how fresh it is. Come on. James, uh, I think it's chapter 2. I want to find it because I want you to be able to read along if you want to. Um, Or maybe not. You know, somebody will will tell you. I'm just going to read it, okay? It's in James. Dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Consider the farmers who patiently wait for the rains in the fall and the spring. They eagerly look for the valuable harvest to ripen. You too must be patient. Everybody say patient. Take courage for the coming of the Lord is near. And then he starts giving some some help to some conflict in the church. And he says, don't grumble about each other, brothers and sisters, or you'll be judged. For look, the judge is standing at the door. For examples of patience and suffering, dear brothers and sisters, look at the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We give great honor to those who endure under suffering. For instance, you know about Job, a man of great endurance. You can see how the Lord was kind to him at the end, for the Lord is full of tenderness and mercy. But most of all, my brothers and sisters, never take an oath by heaven or earth or anything else. My wife says it's James 5. I just got the text. Yeah. Thank you. Just say a simple yes or no so that you will not sin and be condemned. And then verse 13 of James chapter 5. Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call on the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. If you've committed any sins, you will be forgiven. 
verse 16, confess your sins and, uh, to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest, in some translations say fervent, say fervent, fervent prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Elijah was as human as we are, and yet when he prayed fervently that no rain would fall, none fell for three, year, three and a half years. Then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crops. Power in prayer. I've seen with my own eyes, uh, Christian gave a testimony that, of him praying for his friend in Spain and, and the Lord healed a person with his prayer. And I've seen with my own eyes people be healed in this house. I've seen people get out of wheelchairs before and just all kind of crazy stuff when somebody prayed for them. Um, and I've seen those breakthrough moments. I've seen that, just that wow. You ever had a wow moment with God? Have you ever been praying for something and then God just answers it and you knew this is the Lord? <laughs> like this is not something I even did. Sometimes you prayed one time and forgot about it and he still answered it, you know, and you're like, wow, this is God. I've seen breakthrough moments and I've also seen power in prayer as not just a breakthrough wow moment with God, but I've seen powerful things happen when my granny Acreage was sitting in her rocking chair and she'd have that big fat living Bible in her lap and she'd be reading the word and be praying under her breath, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And she'd tell me, she'd wake up, I, I woke up at three, three o'clock in the morning this morning. I slept, I slept rough last night, y'all. I don't know what was going on. But I, I woke up at 3, 3 a.m. and I actually had the thought that my granny used to tell me, baby, I woke up, I wake up in the middle of the night sometimes and I, I pray your name to the Lord. I'm praying for you. There's no doubt in my mind that my life is still carried by some of the prayers my granny prayed when I was a kid and a teenager and in college. And she was just faithful to pray. So I've seen, I've seen God do amazing things through prayer. I've seen power. And I've also seen power come through an 80, 90-year-old woman sitting in a rocking chair just calling on the name of Jesus and things happening through those prayers and we all want to pray powerfully. I don't think there's anybody that would say, I don't have any interest in having powerful prayers. You know, like we all want that. I, I feel like I do. But I'm living in a place of tension today. And I, I want to kind of explain what this tension is. And I want to invite you in on it because tension is a good thing. Tension's not always bad. Tension in the kingdom, it's just a kingdom thing. It's a both-and realm. It's a both-and kingdom. And if we're going to walk with Jesus, we will often find ourselves pulled between two desires. Not worldly desires, but this thing of like, this is just a, it's just a road that we ride on, and you can fall into this ditch, and you can fall into this ditch. But I think there's a possibility of staying on the road with Jesus. And in order to do that, there must be tension. And so the tension in my heart this morning, and as I'm growing older, of course, I say this all the time, I'm getting old, you know, I feel like my back's going out all the time, my feet hurt, you know, and some of you that are considerably older than me, because I'm not that old, but some of you are like, give me a break, like you don't know what feet pain is yet, boy, you know, and um, but I, as I get older, I, I am, and I've always had this thing, but I feel like it's growing down in me. It's like I'm, I'm growing weary of talk without power. 
I'm really growing weary of just church, honestly, like just the way church has always been. I want the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, probably more than I ever have in my life. And I, you know, just like anybody else, it comes in waves with me. But sometimes I, I just forget and I just kind of fall into the rut of life and just go with life. And then sometimes it's just burning so hard, so hot within me that I can't do anything but just be so discontent with where I am. Have you ever been there? And that's okay. A holy discontentment, it, maybe we need that. Maybe we need him just to stir it up right now in our hearts. And I just don't think... <laughs> I don't think Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead for us to limp into a Sunday morning TED talk with the music added to it. And I feel like sometimes we, we've slipped into, the church in America at least, has slipped into this thing where if we feel like we can communicate something really well and maybe give someone an emotional kind of lift just to get them through the week. But can I just tell you that there's more? There's more than that? And I don't, I just, I'm not satisfied with Sunday morning TED Talk anymore. I'm just not. And I haven't been for a long time. It's part of the reason that we started the dwelling is like, I just, God, we want to be a place you can put your name on. Yeah. I really want that. So it's a desire of my heart. So I want power. And I don't want, I, I'm not saying power like earth, like I want power, you know. No, I want the power that Paul was talking about when he went to the Corinthians and he says, I didn't come with clever speech. I didn't come with words to flatter you and all that. I came with a demonstration of power from the Holy Spirit. So Paul presents the gospel to people who've not heard, but there's something that comes with that that is not man-made. It's a powerful demonstration of the Spirit of God on Paul's life. And I don't know what that looks like. It doesn't say it could have been that the words that he spoke shot like arrows into their hearts. It could have been that bodies were healed. We know that that happened everywhere Paul went, that bodies were healed and demons were cast out. It's like when Jesus walked on the scene and when those who are full of him walk on the scene, things like that happen. And so that's the kind of demonstration. That's the kind of power in prayer I desperately want to see. I want a demonstration. I want, you to, I want you to understand my heart before I go on to my message, okay? I want that. I want the, the glory cloud of the Lord to descend on our city and just like revival and renewal and restoration. I want all that. I do. I want it. My heart burns for it. But I'm in attention this morning. That as bad as I want to see the breakthrough, I know that there's something else at play. As bad as I want to see powerful prayer, bam, boom, God, it's obvious, miraculous answer to prayer. I know that there's also something else going on because you know as well as I do that those moments don't really define the Christian life. They punctuate the Christian life. Yeah, that's good, that's good. We have moments where that happens. But how many know we're not living on a spiritual high every day of our life? Mm. We're not seeing just a 100% all the time movement of God like we want to see and we pray for. 
sometimes there are little valleys and then there are peaks and then there are valleys. And the danger is, is that we look at the peaks and we set that as the standard and then we discount the valleys and we think God is no longer with us in the valley. He's only in the peaks. But the old song my granny used to play on her, on her cassette player by her rocking chair was he's the God on the mountains and he's still God in the valleys. When things go wrong, he'll make them right. And the God of the good times is still God in the bad times. He's still God. And so what do we do when the breakthrough's not coming? Should we press in for the breakthrough? Should we never, ever, ever be content if we know that the will of God is not actively being done right here, right now? No, we should always pray. But what do we do when it hasn't happened yet? Because here's what I know. I could talk about the power of God and breakthrough and all that stuff, and then I could call everybody to the altar, and bam, 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 Jesus comes and all that stuff. We could just do all that. But here's what I just hear the Lord saying today. Help my people become strong. That when I'm not so evident and bam, bam, bam in their life, they're still standing firm on a promise that I've given them and in my faithfulness. Because in the days to come, it will no longer be good enough or it won't be good enough for you just to live off peaks anymore. In the days to come, I'm not being a doom and gloom. I think it's going to get better and better, but I think it's going to get worse and worse at the same time. And it will no longer be adequate to live off what happens on Sunday morning or at a conference or whatever. There's going to have to be some deep-rooted people of God that are going to be sustained through hard times. And I feel like the Lord is saying, this is what I'm doing in this hour. You know, we see this in nature. We see rhythms in creation. A flower just doesn't constantly just stay bloom, does it? That's what makes it so beautiful and awe-inspiring is when you see the bud and then it begins to open over a couple of days and there it is and it's beautiful. Maybe over, you went to bed and it was closed and you get up the next morning and there it is just shining at you, smiling at you. And, and, and there's, there's waves that crash on the shore. They ebb and flow. The tides, they come and the tides recede. There's a, there's a rhythm to, to creation itself. The sun rises and sets, and every sunset's unique. If they all look the same, we kind of get tired of it, you know? Every few hours, and there it is again. We wouldn't even notice it. But, man, a sunrise comes up or a sunset that's just, like, beautiful. Like, it's not a normal sunset. And what do we do? And we post it on social. We say, it doesn't do it justice. And whenever we see a rainbow in the sky, and, you know, you don't see them every day. So when you do, you take out that phone. Wow, you know? It's like, we're just, humans are weird. But what's, what's wonderful about it is it's almost like, um, you know the phrase, absence makes the heart grow fonder? As much as I think we press and we never give up and we pray and we expect the breakthrough, we can't diminish our walk with God when there's no breakthrough happening. Are y'all with me? And so, what if power and prayer 
What about power? What if powerful prayer is more about the long haul than it is about the miracle? What if the long haul is the miracle? What if the miracle is the work that God does in our lives to keep us standing firm when we don't see anything happening? When we ask and we seek and we knock and there's no evidence that any door is opening, we know it will. But how long are we going to stay at the door till it opens? I had a picture of a dam breaking. And that's, the, that's what we think when we think about powerful prayer, right? We see the, the dam breaking and the structure giving way and the water flooding in. And whatever situation you're facing where you've been praying for breakthrough, whether it's revival, rest, renewal in a city, or whether it's your wayward child, or whether it's your financial situation or whatever, like you're praying into that and you want to see the dam break, right? But let me ask you a question. What makes the dam break? It's the pressure that's building up more and more and more and more and more and more until finally the dam can't handle it anymore and it breaks. I saw another image in my mind of a, of a volcano. And what we think of power, I mean, you think about power, like read up on Mount St. Helens sometime and see what Mount St. Helens did to that whole geographical region when it blew. And we see that kind of power. And that's what we want in prayer, right? We want, bam, you know, everything changes. I mean, it changed the whole scenery. It was unrecognizable. I was reading a historical account about Krakatoa, the, the volcano that, that, that erupted, and it totally changed the scenery. It was unrecognizable. People came back, and they were like, what is this place? And that's what we want to see in prayer, and that's what we should believe for, an unrecognizable savanna. Come on. That's what we want. But it's more than the breakthrough. What you don't see in a volcanic eruption is the eons of subterranean work happening. Pressure, pressure, pressure. Hundreds of years. Y'all don't want to hear about hundreds of years. Y'all want it right now, don't we? Don't we? What if prayer, what if powerful Prayer is not about the eruption, but what, is, what if it's about the crust of the earth eventually just can't contain the source of the power? What if prayer is not as much about the breakthrough and the power itself than the source of the power that's breaking through? Jesus illustrated this for us at a place called Caesarea Philippi. I've been there. It's the coolest place in the world. There's these beautiful springs. It's so peaceful. And what they don't tell you is that big mountain that's right before you is a huge rock face and there's a cave in it. And that thing was called Pan's Grotto or the gates of Hades. And Jesus, I love how he used where he was and used. So the background to this statement, when he asked his disciples who do people say that I am? They're like, they think you're one of the prophets or Elijah coming back and all this stuff. And he says, who do you say that I am? 
And they're kind of like, and Peter stands up and he says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And it was at that background, literally at the gates of Hades, the, the, the pagan shrine where Hades, it was the place. It was like the stronghold of the enemy historically, like spiritually speaking. And Jesus walks himself right up in enemy territory to the capital of hell and says, flesh and blood didn't re reveal that to you. But the Holy Spirit did. And I say, you're Peter. And on a, upon this rock, upon this rock, in the background of this huge rock, this is the gates of hell. Upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now that sounds like the gates of hell are on the offensive, but actually in the original language, it's on the defensive. When's the last time you saw an, uh, the gates of a city attack an army? <laughs> no, it's the other way around. It's the army of God attacking the gates of hell. And just like the water that builds up on the dam, more pressure. Oh, it looks so dark. Oh, our city. Did y'all see the news last night? Another shooting. Look at our houseless population. Look at all this stuff that's happening. And, and, we, and, and the temptation could be take your hand off the gate and go do something else. Maybe to go do church or something like that. That'll be fun. <laughs> or we see it and we put more pressure on it. You can't have my city. You can't have my family. You can't have my health. Yeah, but mm -mm. And when one guy's pushing on the gate, you might rattle it when the whole family gets behind you and starts pushing on the gate. Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail. He didn't say might not. Every area where the enemy has put up a gate, your prayers Take it down. This ought to give you a new oomph in your prayer life. Like you may not even see it, see the gate come down, but it could be your prayers right now that give the strength to the next generation that sees the gates come down. Don't settle for a gate being over your kids' lives and their hearts and their minds. Tear it down in prayer. Don't settle for gates to... To the gates of the enemy to keep our city in bondage. Pray it down. And you may march out there with a flag and a Bible and a scripture and go out on that bridge and stand over the city. In Jesus' name, I take this, you know, do it and expect it to be immediate. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you, it may take 20 years. Are you here for it? You're praying for your kids that have been away from the Lord. They're adults now. 
Will you pray five more years? Of course you would. Do not grow weary in doing good. You will reap a harvest. Do not grow weary in prayer because the gates are coming down. I promise. So it's fervency. I'm almost done. Fervency in prayer and faithfulness. Everybody say fervency Fervency. and faithfulness. I ought to be so fervent and so fiery in my prayer that I'm expecting it to happen right now before my eyes. That much faith, but also have enough faith to keep praying for 20 years until it happens. Are you with me? Do you feel that awful tension? That's the kingdom. That's what it feels like. Biblical faith actually creates fervency and faithfulness in prayer. Faithfulness sticks with it for the long haul. I've been, I've been reading up and watching uh, testimony and videos about a prayer movement that was started uh, years ago. And what I've noticed about it is a lot of people that were involved in that movement just kind of fell away. There was a moral failure. There was a distraction. There was a whatever. But there's a few And they're just been trucking for 40 years, just wading through the mud, doing what God said, and they're not going to stop. I've been praying for revival for 18 years. I remember I was a college student and I was, uh, I was at a church in Montgomery, Alabama, played the piano on Sunday night for them during college. I'd drive 45 minutes help them lead worship. And one night, there's a guy from Southern Baptist Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky, who came to this church. His name was Don Whitney, professor there. He's an author, speaker, preacher. And he stood up and he said, I had a message planned, but I felt like I'm supposed to talk about something else. And I thank God that Don Whitney listened to the Holy Spirit that night because he started talking about the moves of God in history and revivals and awakenings that happened in America and around the world, but specifically in America. That was on Sunday. Guess what I did on Monday? I went to the library, and I printed off a surprising work of God by Jonathan Edwards, the story of the first great awakening in America. And I sat in my psychology class with my psychology book here, but inside it I had surprising work of God. I don't know what she was saying. Don't do that, kids, okay? (laughs) Pay attention in class. But my heart started burning, and it's never stopped. And I'm not talking about a good service. I don't want to see a good service. Those are great. God, give us a good service every once in a while. That's great. But I want to see awakening. I want to see revival. I want to see a city transformed by the fire of God's presence. That's what I want. That's why we're here. I hope that's why you're here. (laughs) Not just do church, because that's going to get boring, okay? But to see a city transformed by revival and renewal when the Holy Spirit comes. I hadn't seen it yet. I've been praying 18 years. Just to be a part of it. Just to see it. Guess what? I'll pray another 18. And I'll believe it like it's going to happen this week. (laughs) But if I had to pray 20 years, 
I don't know how much longer I'll live. Look at me, look at my watch like it's, got, like it's gonna tell me when I'm gonna die. But I'll do it. Me and Bethany were talking about this and she said, you know, longevity brings a respect. And, and I just feel like in the kingdom and as a church even, just serving a city for the long haul, praying for a city for the long haul, it'll open doors. It brings a respect. Um, Bethany said, here's an example, Betty White. <laughs> you know, that woman could have said anything and people would have just smiled at her. She's awesome. We love her. Why? Because she's like been at it longer than anybody else on the earth, like been in the TV business. Dolly Parton. I mean, just in it for the long haul and somehow just has stayed with it through all the stuff. And there's something to be said about longevity. And so if it, if, if it applies to Betty White, <laughs> if it applies to movements that shake nations, I think it probably applies to your life in your family, in the situation you're in. That yes, we're longing for the breakthrough, but what if the real power in prayer is staying with it and just outlasting the opposition? <laughs> just outliving it. Romans 12, 12 says this. <clears throat> this is what I want to, bless you guys with today. Romans 12, 12 says to be joyful in hope, to be patient in affliction, and to be faithful in prayer. Rebecca, the Lord is so proud of you. Stay with it. Keep doing it. When it's hard, keep doing it. Stay at it. You've already seen his hand. You've already seen breakthrough. The big one's coming, and what you're doing is making a huge difference. Stay at it for the long haul. Let's stand. He's already spoken. 
He's already been speaking to many of you about that area of your life where you're just supposed to stick with it. You're just supposed to keep walking. You're supposed to keep praying. Now, this is how we're closing, albeit awkwardly. I want you to just tell the Lord right now. Yes, I'll stay. Yes, I'm sticking with it. I say yes to the assignment that you've called me to. I say yes to pray until I see the breakthrough. I say yes to be obedient even when it's hard. And I say yes believing that you're good and you want it more than I do. So I bless you with joy that comes in hoping. I bless you with a patience that will outlast the affliction and the suffering that you're facing right now. And I bless this house, including myself, with a faithfulness to pray like we've never prayed before for the long haul, for lives changed, for marriages restored, for minds renewed, souls saved, and a city changed. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. For more information about The Dwelling, visit thedwellingchurch.org.